You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast, www.savagelovecast.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Lovecast. Very short intro to the show this week, folks. I'm out of town. This is recorded well in advance, so you will be spared my thoughts about Super Tuesday results. But a quick word about a story you should go read. Glenn Peterson wrote a terrific piece for Vice about Nicole Gilliland, a former nursing student in Coos County, Oregon, who's suing Southwest Oregon Community College for discrimination under Title IX, a federal law that bars sex-based discrimination in schools that receive government funding. Gilliland, Peterson writes, had one year left in her nurse training program when the school and the conservative community it's located in found out that she had been a porn performer a decade earlier. Unclassy women shouldn't be nurses, Gilliland was told by one of her professors. Now Gilliland suing says, be careful who you treat like shit. In her lawsuit, and I'm wishing her every success, she argues that discrimination and harassment targeting porn performers and other sex workers is sex discrimination because most porn performers and sex workers, current and former, are women. The lawsuit breaks new ground in the fight for the rights of sex workers and Gilliland, who's the mother of two small children, has paid a steep price for being who she is, living where she does, and bringing this lawsuit. Please go read Glenn Peterson's story about Nicole Gilliland, which is titled, Be Careful Who You Treat Like Shit, A Former Porn Star Sues Her School at Vice.com. And I'm going to end this very short intro by saying, there is a special circle in hell reserved for people who think porn is terrible and no one should appear in it, who also make it impossible for people who've done porn to move on and do anything else with their lives. Okay, coming up on today's show, on the micro, tons of your cues, lots of my A's, and on the magnum Savage Lovecast that you can subscribe to at savagelovecast.com, more of your cues, more of my A's, no ads, and I speak with evolutionary reproductive biologist Caitlin McDonough for a What You Got segment about her research into the evolution of same-sex behavior, aka hot, sweaty, gay, sex, and animals of all sorts. Spoiler alert, we've been getting it wrong for a very long time. All that coming up on today's show. Thanks to Roman for supporting the Savage Lovecast. Roman is a men's health company that offers remote online diagnosis for ED and convenient monthly delivery of medication. For a free online visit and free two-day shipping, go to GetRoman.com slash Savage. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by DoorDash. Get five bucks off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter the promo code SAVAGE. Want to save money, save the planet, and look good while you're doing it? It doesn't get any better than ThreadUp, the largest online consignment and thrift store. Shop over 35,000 brands at up to 90% off estimated retail. Go to threadup.com slash savage for an extra 30% off your first order. That's T-H-R-E-D-U-P dot com slash savage. Threadup.com slash savage for an extra 30% off today. Hi, Dan. I am a 26-year-old female, and I am currently in a relationship with a man who is my age. He disclosed to me that he was molested as a child, and he started to think that was the reason for his kinks. He told me this about a year ago, and since that year has passed, um, our sex life has declined to become pretty much non-existent. Um, We talk about it a lot, and he tells me how 
every time he starts to be intimate with me, how he thinks of himself having that conversation with me and disclosing these traumatic events that he's never told anyone before and probably forgot about for, you know, over a decade. So now he has chosen to leave our apartment and figure his figure out his trauma and to figure out if we can be together, given the fact that we have so many intimacy issues. It is worth noting, though, that we have no other relationship problems. I think that he's the most respectful, genuine, kind-hearted person. And we generally have such a great way of communicating, which is something that is very important to me and is something that's very hard to find in a lot of partnerships. So I'm kind of here in limbo. He is currently starting therapy, and we're hoping that this will be able to mend our intimacy issues. But I was just wondering if you have any insight of these kind of intimacy issues and what the battle might be like long term. I'm willing to, you know, stand by him through this. I wish that he would move back into our apartment so that I can be there for him. But at the same time, I guess I do understand if he needs some time alone. So you say you have no other intimacy issues, no other real conflicts besides your sex life has collapsed and your boyfriend has moved out, which you didn't want him to do. Those sound like pretty significant issues to me right up there with the trauma that your boyfriend has revealed to you about his past, about the way he was victimized, sexually abused in the past. And I'm a little uncomfortable. Not That's the wrong word. It's not that I'm uncomfortable. It's just that people do have this tendency – when it comes to kink because of kink shame and sex negativity to want to tie their kinks to traumatic early experiences, uh, to just sexual abuse. And a lot of us, a lot of people out there have suffered sexual abuse uh, and a lot of people have kinks. And what we know about kinks is that they tend to be pretty randomly assigned. The other thing we know about kinks, something I've frequently observed about kinks is that they do seem to be a way that we process – our fears. And I think the cuckolding kink is a really apt example of how a kink can help someone or not help someone, how a kink can be one way someone's erotic imagination processes a fear. And it's the the, the fear of, of being cheated on. It's really jealousy inverted and jealousy uh, not weaponized against someone but put into harness for someone to arouse them as opposed to threaten them. And I would be interested to know is – now your boyfriend has tied his cuckolding kink to the trauma that he suffered, how he thinks these two things are linked because I would want to press him on that. And I hope that if he has a decent sex positive therapist, his therapist will press him on this point, how or whether these things are related because we pathologize our kinks. Sometimes, again, we want to tie them to traumas to make us feel even worse than the culture already attempts to make us feel about our kinks. And he may see causation where there is not even correlation, where there's nothing, where there is no link except some shame. He may feel some shame or guilt that he should not feel about the way he was victimized and he may also feel shame and guilt about his kinks. And then he may think that there's a link there and hopefully a good therapist can help him. If indeed it's the case that there is no link, unlink those two things. I can't tell you how long this will take. I can't tell you what to do other than what you've already done, which is to tell your boyfriend that you would still like to be with him and that you want to be there for him as he works through these things. 
But it is a bad sign for the future of your relationship that he has moved out, that this could be the beginning of the end. And it might be helpful for you to discuss with him perhaps suspending the relationship as people are currently suspending their presidential campaigns, for you two to be on hold, for you to free him to work on this for himself, not to work on this for you, not to work on this to save your relationship, but to work on his history, his trauma, to unpack his sexual abuse with a qualified therapist for his own reasons, for his own purposes, for his own mental health and sexual health and well-being. So the goal is him and the goal is repairing himself. The goal is not repairing himself so that he can be for you who he has been for you. And that's scary to let somebody go when somebody has significant mental health work to do that they feel they need to do on their own. But it can often be the most loving choice and maybe in this instance the right thing to do. Hey, Dan, and the tech. <laughs> oh, man, I'm drunk. Hey, Dan, so I have a question for you. My partner and I inadvertently gave our dog some cum and has persisted to the point where this dog just like washes as fuck and then comes in for the, you know, the seconds. So I'm curious what y'all think the ethics of this is. It's not our intention to feed our dog cum, but it's happening. I'd love your opinion on this matter. It may not be your intention to feed your dog cum. There may be no erotic component to you feeding your dog cum, which would then, I guess, kick this up into the bestiality column. But you are feeding your dog cum. You are knowingly allowing your dog to sit in the room with you while you're fucking and watch and wait until the cum shot and then letting him jump in or her jump in and lap that shit up. And I'm sorry – I guess that's just gross. Otherwise, I mean, the cum would just get wiped up. Otherwise, you'd use a cum towel or a dirty T-shirt and take care of it the old-fashioned, non-dog-involved way. And I would be more comfortable with that. But I'm not in the room. I'm not you. I'm not your dog. And so it's really none of my business. But you kind of made it my business when you called to ask me a question about it. And you can tell from the tone of my voice that I'm really – I think that you need to have boundaries with your pets. And I am a dog owner or dog owner adjacent. I live with two dogs who are owned by other people I live with. And I think it's important to have boundaries with your pets. And lapping up cum is a boundary that I think you might want to set with your dog. You know, you say you have a boyfriend now. This is happening to your boyfriend now. What if you break up with your boyfriend and you get a new boyfriend? Having to roll out the cum-eating dog with a new boyfriend might cost you that new boyfriend, might cost you a whole series of potential new boyfriends because just because your current guy is squicked out but semi-comfortable with this as you are squicked out but semi-comfortable with this, I promise you, particularly if it was a guy like me, the next guy who's your boyfriend is not going to be comfortable with the cum-eating dog. A new guy coming in is likely to interpret that as – the first salvo in incorporating the dog into your sex life potentially, into your sex life with them, or that being your intent, and may run screaming. I know I would. 
Although I'm a huge advocate of getting out, doing stuff, and being active in my beloved city, I'll admit that sometimes I just want to hunker down, stay in, not cook, and order in. If you're in that mode, I recommend DoorDash. You can have your favorite restaurants come to you. DoorDash has something for every lifestyle, on the go with no time to waste, order pickup and pass the line. Having trouble organizing a meal with your friends? DoorDash makes it easy with group ordering. DoorDash is more than just delivery. DoorDash brings all of America's flavors to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash, but there are over 310,000 restaurant partners in 4,000 cities, so you might find a new favorite place too. With door-to-door delivery in all 50 states, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite chain restaurants. With DoorDash, you'll never have to worry about your next meal. And right now, our listeners get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code SAVAGE. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code SAVAGE. Hi, Dan. I'm a 28-year-old cis straight man who's dating a 51-year-old woman. We get along fantastically. Our hobbies and interests correlate. My family likes her. I think she's beautiful. We both share the same kinks, and the sex is incredible. Here's the issue. She panics that she's robbing me of opportunities by dating me. She cites a handful of podcasts and TED Talks of examples of cougars breaking up with her cub and him going off to have kids, or a story about a man who got mad at the woman that he dated for wasting his life. But I've always been more attracted to older women. She never holds me back when we're out doing something, and I have no desire to have kids. I've gone to a handful of social events like munches in my friendly neighborhood dungeon and have met a ton of people who have no regrets at all about their age gap relationship decisions or the doors that have potentially closed, and all of them seem to be great people enjoying their lives. I was just curious about your take on age gaps and if you think it's unfair for older partners to date significantly younger partners. If your girlfriend can't take yes for an answer, nothing I say here is going to convince her to take yes for an answer. All you can do, though, is keep throwing those yeses at her. Yes, you want to be with her. Yes, you are content not having children or no, you don't ever want to have children. And so that's not a sacrifice for you. Yes, you've always been attracted to older women. She is an older woman. She is what you want. She is who you want to be with. And you can point out all the examples out there of people in relationships with significant age gaps who are together for years and happy. If she hasn't attended those munches with you and met some of these couples, ask her to go. But if she won't go, you know what else you can say to her? Think about all the people that you know who are in relationships with no age gap. People were in relationships where they're born on the exact same day or people in relationships who were roughly the same age and those relationships ended. There are no guarantees. You can't game affection like this. You can't say I have to be with somebody who is my own age or the relationship will fail because look around. Think of all the people you know. Tell her to think of all the people she knows. We're in relationships or were in relationships past tense with people who were of the appropriate age, within an appropriate age range, and those relationships didn't work out. Maybe she needs more examples in her life of age gap relationships where the woman is older. 
Perhaps you should familiarize her with the president of France who has been with a much older woman for decades and they appear to be very happy. and They are sort of high-profile role models available to you and your girlfriend. The thing I wouldn't encourage you to say to her though is I will never break up with you because there may come a time when you want for legitimate reasons or need for legitimate reasons to end this relationship. That's not the kind of assurance that I think it's healthy for people to give each other. We will never break up. Breaking up is always possible. You have to earn your partner's affections. You should never take your partner for granted. And a big part of not taking each other for granted is the awareness, is maintaining the awareness that both of you, either of you, is free to end the relationship at any time. I don't think you wield that as a cudgel. I don't think you threaten each other with that to manipulate or control each other. But I do think that's something that you have to have in the back of your mind so that you're always valuing your partner, valuing their presence in your life and going that extra mile, making that effort to earn them, to keep them in your life, to keep them present in your life. So rather than say to your partner, I would never leave you, you say to your partner, I always want to earn you and I always want you to earn me and I hope that we're together forever. I hope that this is right. I hope that we're the right people for each other for as long as possible. And then we'll see what happens over time. But right now, when I picture myself five, ten years in the future, I am still with you and I hope that you feel the same way. All that said, you know, if your girlfriend wants to end this relationship because she's uncomfortable with the age gap, she can end this relationship because she's uncomfortable with the age gap. You can't force her by pointing to the president of France or the people at your munches to stay with you despite her discomfort or her fears or insecurities about the age gap. You can only address those insecurities. You can only reason with her about those insecurities if those are really the reason she wants to end the relationship. It's possible she might point to the age gap as the reason she's ending the relationship and it's something else and the age gap is just this thing, this MacGuffin that neither of you can control that gets you both off the hook or gets her off the hook and becomes the little white lie that allows her to end the relationship without walking you through the real reasons. But president of France, the people at your munches, all the people that you know, all the people that she knows that we're in age concordant or age appropriate relationships. I hate that expression, age appropriate. It makes people in age gap relationships sound like they're doing something or someone inappropriate when they're not. But all those people who were closer together in age that she knows and knows personally whose relationships failed – yeah, those have to be put on the scales along with the people she knows in relationships with significant age gaps that failed as well. Thrifting rules. It's fun. You can find inexpensive treasures and you can feel smug and sanctimonious knowing you aren't contributing to the unacceptable waste generated by the fashion industry. And with ThreadUp, you can do this from home on your computer with the greatest of ease. ThreadUp is the world's largest online thrift store with up to 90% off estimated retail. You get the insane deals of thrifting with the convenience of online shopping from all of your favorite brands. Score Nike for only 6 bucks, Theory starting at 20 bucks, Lululemon $27, J Crew starting at 10 bucks and more, everything for a fraction of the retail price. And today you can get an extra 30% off your first order at threadup.com/savage. Instead of spending hours at the racks, you can customize your search on ThreadUp by your size, style, and budget so you can find the best deals instantly. It's so easy. Everything is in high-quality condition and lots of items still have their original tags on. 
Plus, ThreadUp gets new arrivals every minute, so there's always new treasures to find. Sustainable, stylish, totally affordable. Get there with Thread Up. And for Savage Lovecast listeners, here's an excellent offer just for you. Get an extra 30% off your first order at threadup.com slash savage. That's T-H-R-E-D-U-P dot com slash savage for 30% off your first order. Threadup.com slash savage for an extra 30% off today. Terms apply. Hey, Dan, early 30s, cis female calling from Michigan. About a year ago, I met a recently divorced coworker. We hit it off right away, but we, we were both reluctant to date someone we work with, so tried to keep feelings at bay for a while. Ultimately, we started dating and things were really intense and great, but by the time we got together, he had been casually dating someone else for about two months. Because that relationship was further along, she asked him to be exclusive before he and I got to that point, and he had said yes. Feelings between the two of us were still really strong, and whenever we see each other at work functions, there's still a lot of chemistry. A few times last year, we'd start talking and hanging out at work a lot, but just when it seemed like he was going to break things off with his girlfriend to date me, he'd get kind of skittish and not follow through. Three months ago, we stopped talking altogether, and I've done my best to move on, dating other people, um, but nothing serious. Last week, he reached out to me saying that his feelings for me have never gone away, and he's more scared of regretting not trying than he's scared of, of dating me, and he wants to see where things could go between us. Most of my friends think I should tell him to go screw himself because he's had multiple chances and stayed with this other girl instead of me in the past. Um, I don't want to fall into the same scenario again, but I also know that we connect in a way I haven't felt before, and that feels really good. Um, How many chances are too many? Well, that was really an action-packed year. All of that happened. All of that transpired in the course of one calendar you you met this guy at work, recently divorced, you hit it off, you decided you couldn't date because you were coworkers and you pushed it back and didn't date and then you started dating even though you're coworkers but it turned out he was dating somebody else for a couple months and she has to be exclusive and he agreed so he couldn't keep seeing you anymore. And then you saw each other at work functions and then you stopped speaking to each other for months and now he's reached out to you last week reached out to you to say he still has feelings for you and can't deny them anymore and wants to date you, dot, dot, dot. But he doesn't say whether or not or, – or you don't mention whether or not he's still with this woman who asked him to be exclusive. I have no idea what's on the table here, what he's proposed. Is he proposing seeing you on the side? Is he proposing cheating on this woman he's been exclusive with for less than a year with you? In that case, I agree with your friends. You should tell this guy to go fuck himself. You know, you don't want to be the piece on the side. You were interested in him as a primary partner for yourself, maybe less interested in him now that you know him to be the kind of guy, if this is indeed what's happened, who will agree to be exclusive with one woman some months ago and then reach out to a woman he was also dating at the same time and ask her to be his piece on the side. But if you omitted a crucial detail here and he broke up with that woman or is ending that relationship or is contemplating ending that relationship, if you'll agree to see him, if he needs that motivation, if he needs that prompt to end the relationship and some people do, some people need that cherry or that carrot to get out of a relationship and 
then okay. Then I disagree with your friends. Then it wouldn't be irrational to see this guy. Early on, you did what so many people tell themselves or tell each other, tell their friends they should do. You didn't date this guy because you were colleagues, because you were coworkers and you don't want to shit where you eat or shit where you get paid. And so you missed that opportunity. You missed the opportunity to be his girlfriend out of the gate and then there was a competing girlfriend and he had developed feelings for her and it's possible for a person to have feelings for more than one person at a time and the question was called by that other woman and he had to choose and because he'd invested more with her, he chose her at that moment and now he's either regretting or rethinking that choice. And again, if he wants you to be the piece on the side, I am with your friends, tell him to go fuck himself. What he's proposing is he's going to cheat on his girlfriend with you, the person who wanted to be and could have been his girlfriend. Yeah, no. Tell him to go fuck himself. But if he is leaving this relationship or has left this relationship, maybe. Yeah. If I were you, if I were in your shoes, instead of telling him to go fuck himself, I would tell him to come fuck me just as soon as he'd ended things with her. If you were to guess on average how many days people in the United States have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically, a month. And if you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, hair loss, or cold sores, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you will hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel any time. So if you're out there struggling with ED, hair loss, cold sores, or other issues, go to GetRoman.com slash Savage for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Savage for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Hi, Dan. I started dating my current boyfriend, who's four years older than me, when I was just 16 and a virgin. It's been four years and our relationship is going great. Now, here's an intro to my issue. A week and a half ago, someone got transferred into my work, and I am insanely attracted to this guy. He was transferred out less than a week later, but I still have not been able to stop thinking about him. I'm sure I could find him really easily if I really tried, but I wouldn't have done anything that my boyfriend wouldn't have approved of, but Lord, did I want to. (laughs) I don't tend to find many people... Uh, sexually attractive. So when I do, it really affects me. Since when I was so young, when I met my boyfriend, uh, and he is so aggressively monogamous, I kind of feel like I'm missing out. I'm still pretty young. And I just wish I had a little more freedom to engage with the few people that I am attracted to, and have any sort of opportunity with. I've briefly talked to my boyfriend about this, and he says he can't understand any desire for variety, but since I was only 16 when we got together and he was my first relationship, he can understand how I feel like I'm missing out. 
However, he's still very against the thought of doing anything outside of the relationship, and the thought of a three-way or poly relationship isn't appealing to either of us. He totally trusts me, so I won't do anything to break that trust, but I'm not totally sure if he would ever be comfortable enough with me having any sort of sexual or flirtatious interactions outside of our relationship. Monogamy, non-monogamy, kind of a binary choice. Now, non-monogamy, as opposed to monogamy, takes many forms. We all know what we mean or what people are doing when they say that they're monogamous. Here are two people who only have sex with each other. When two people say that they are non-monogamous, that is the beginning of a larger conversation if we are privileged enough to have that information or be entitled to that information or close enough or intimate enough with that person to have that conversation with them about the non-monogamy in their life and the form it takes because that can be a don't ask, don't tell agreement. That can be we only play together with others. That can be I'm free to pursue other people and they're free to pursue other people. That can be we date other people together or separately. Non-monogamy is really a whole basket of what some people would regard as deplorable possibilities but I don't regard as deplorable at all. Works for a lot of people. It doesn't sound like non-monogamy works for your boyfriend. And non-monogamy, some small slice of it, some small piece of it is what you're asking of him. If you want the freedom to occasionally be with other people or pursue other people or flirt with other people, if you want to be monogamish – Perhaps not having sex with other people but just flirtatiousness, just being able to engage with somebody else erotically in a limited way, no intercourse, no oral sex but maybe some making out at a party or something. He's going to have to give a little on the monogamy to get to monogamish or to get to non-monogamous. So there's a price of admission that either he's going to have to pay or you're going to have to pay. To keep you, if you issue the ultimatum, he may have to allow for this. You were 16 years old when you got together with this guy. You're only 20 years old now. You have six or seven more decades left on this planet. Can you think about those six or seven more decades? Can you project yourself into your 80-year-old life on a roasting planet and be content knowing that he was the only person you ever with, that you never got to be with another man, that he was it, that you were monogamous with this guy all your life, that you met when you were a teenager, can you be happy when you project yourself into that moment? Do you think you're content looking back over the course of your life and only ever having been with this one guy? If yes, even if it's a bit of a sacrifice, even if it's a bit of struggle, maybe it's the price of admission that you pay to be with him, that you never act on an attraction to another person and those attractions you say are rare. So maybe it wouldn't be that huge a sacrifice for you not to act on those rare attractions to others where there is a mutual feeling of attraction and therefore an opportunity. And you can make that sacrifice. You could pay that price of admission. Or if you project yourself into that future and you anticipate being miserable or resentful looking back over the last six or seven decades and only ever having slept with this guy that you met when you were 16 years old and the resentment would be the kind of poisonous resentment that would have curdled and turned your relationship into a high-conflict nightmare, well, then maybe you issue the ultimatum that I need this freedom. I need the freedom to occasionally pursue others to be happy and to be happy and stay with you. I need that freedom. And if I can't have that freedom and be happy and be with you, then I'm going to have to – End this relationship so that I can have that freedom if you can't give it to me. So yeah, I'm sorry to say someone's going to have to pay the price of admission. What I often say 
in these cases where someone is 20 and thinking about the relationship they've been in since high school is to look around at the people that you know in your life who are in stable, healthy, happy, loving relationships, who are partnered for the long term and the long haul. And very few of them are with people that they were dating in high school. And I think that's a sign for many young people in your shoes, for people who are still dating the person that they began dating in high school, lost their virginities to, about the choice that would ultimately be in the long-term best interest of you both. Hey, Dan, I'm calling because I'm invited to this wedding that the bride and the groom are being kind of annoying and weird about. It's like a costume wedding and all guests must wear a costume, which is cool and fun, I guess, but they're making the guests say what costumes they'll be wearing in advance so that they can approve it or not. And it also has to be one that they recognize. First of all, the wedding is like nine months away. So I have no idea what I'd be wearing and probably won't know until like the day or two before like any other wedding or event I go to. But they're already asking people about it. I told them I had, I told them the only costume that I had was a hot dog costume. And they told me it wouldn't work because they want movie characters. I'm also not that upset about that because I wasn't really into wearing a hot dog costume in public. <laughs> but I also don't want to like buy a costume to wear for one day and never wear it again. I'm also not a movie person, so I don't really know very many movie characters, especially ones that they must recognize. Um, I feel I, I do feel bad not going because not many people are invited, and it's nice they chose me. But I don't really want to spend the next nine months of my life dedicating myself to coming up with a character and getting it approved. Oh, and also, one of the people attending the wedding is this nasty girl who spanked me at work when I was 16, so I don't really want to be around the same vicinity as her. Also, I'm just not into people controlling me about what I can and can't wear. I just want to wear what I want to wear, and if you tell me I can't wear something, I'm not really that excited about going. So I don't really know what I should do or say about them. First and most importantly, you do not have to go to this wedding. This couple is being ridiculous. Also, there's the small matter of this person who kind of sexually assaulted you at work, this mean girl who spanked you when you were a teenager, who you don't want to even be around, who's also going to this small and intimate wedding. You say not many people are invited to this wedding. So avoiding this person that you don't want to interact with at a small and intimate wedding where everyone's dressed up in movie character costumes is going to be very difficult. And what your friends who are getting married here are doing is assholery. It's as if they're having a destination wedding but not telling anyone where the destination of the fucking wedding is, where it's taking place. We're having a destination wedding. You're invited but you have to guess the destination. Hawaii? No. Wrong. Castle in Spain? No. Wrong. We're having a wedding. Everyone has to wear a ridiculous and humiliating costume and then the guests have to tell the couple what the costume is and the couple's allowed to veto their costume suggestions? Yeah, no, wrong. Wrong guess. Wrong costume. No. No. Fuck this. Don't go to this goddamned wedding. The more bars people erect, the more hoops people put up and demand that others jump through in order to get to their wedding, the fewer people that couple should have at their wedding or maybe even really want at their wedding. When you make getting to your wedding a challenge and an obstacle course, fewer people are going to show up at your wedding. 
And maybe that's what the couple wants or maybe they just want to feel aggrieved when nobody shows up at their wedding. No, you don't have to go to this wedding that this couple is making ridiculous demands on their guests about attending. Yeah, fuck this. You can't turn the entire guest list into your wedding party. People who sign up to be groomsmen and bridesmaids, yeah, you're kind of signing up to be ordered around about what you wear and how your hair is done and your makeup. But just a guest at the wedding? Honor a a simple dress code, you know, cocktail attire or formal wear. But beyond that, you don't get to tell people what they're wearing at your wedding. And anybody who attempts to tell people what they have to wear at their wedding deserves to have no one show up at their fucking idiotic wedding. Don't go. That's my advice. Don't go to this wedding. Do not indulge this couple. Send your regrets and go to the Dan Savage Broken Toaster store and get a broken toaster to send to the asshole couple. Hi, Dan. I'm a 29-year-old cis woman calling, and my question is in regards to dating older older men. I've come to the self-realization that I'm really strongly attracted to men in their 60s or 70s. Think, you know, older silver fox kind of character. Um, I love these older men who have like gray hair, they dress well, they are well-spoken, they have a myriad of life experience and all of that just gets this lady going. Um, And in saying that, I'm totally terrified though because it seems like such a taboo and I haven't told my friends But I do want to explore this new found attraction of mine. And I know that there are sugar baby websites out there, but I'm not really down for that because the vibe from those types of websites is that it's an exchange of sorts and not really what you would use to find a meaningful relationship because ultimately I would like to date an older, older guy. But gosh, I'm just so darn scared of how to approach it because I don't want to come off as just a silly little girl or a gold digger or anything like that. Um, like for instance, the other day I saw that I saw this older gentleman in, in a cafe and oh, I wanted to give him my number so bad, but I just thought, Oh my God, like, what's he going to think? He's going to think I'm silly. Oh, so I just didn't. And I let that opportunity go by. So yeah, I guess I just wanted to ask, like, what do I, what do I do? How do I, how do I go about this? Of course, the sugar baby websites have a transactional vibe because those are transactional relationships. There is an exchange there of money for attention time, the girlfriend experience, and it is a commodified transactional relationship through those sugar baby websites. You're not interested in that kind of relationship. You would like to be on an equal footing with an older man that you are attracted to that you would like to date. I would encourage you just to get on dating apps, just to get on not, – not, not the Tinders, not the quickie hit ones, not to just look at the photos and swipe left or right. But get on okay, Cupid, get on Match.com and you as a 29-year-old woman, I promise you, will attract the attention. You will get responses from older men. There are a lot of older men out there who would like to date younger women. Not all of these older men who are interested in dating younger women are interested in paying their rent or buying them cars. You will hear from those guys. You will have to 
pick through them. You will have to weed out the ones you aren't interested in dating, but you will hear from them. You will have options. You can also approach men in public if you want. Give them your phone number. I don't encourage men to approach women in public and give women their phone numbers because women are approached a lot in public by creepy men who are creeping on them and it can make a woman feel like public spaces aren't safe for them. But, you know, men, particularly older men, aren't approached that often in public by women. And even if the guy is unavailable, it's likely – even if the guy's gay, it's likely to make his day to be approached by an attractive young woman who wanted him to have her phone number. Now, he might assume that you are interested in something transactional because otherwise why would you be approaching him? You can let him know if he calls you or begins to text you that that is not the case. As for others perceiving you as a gold digger, well, you can't help how you are perceived by others. If you start to date somebody who's in his late 50s or 60s, an experienced, older, silver fox, your friends may make assumptions. If you don't want your friends making inaccurate assumptions, you might want to tell them where you're at right now, that you're interested in dating a significantly older guy or significantly older men and you're sort of fascinated by the age gap, the dynamic, the experience gap and you want – and it's making you wet and you want to jump in. And then when you show up at an event or a party or you're spotted in public by a friend and you're with an older guy, they're going to think, oh, good for her. Yahtzee, she found the guy. She found the guy she wanted to date uh, in that age cohort from which she wanted to draw a potential – short-term romantic partner or long-term romantic partner, who knows, and then your friends will not think when they spot you, oh, this is gold digger shit going on or this is sugar baby shit going on, they'll know it's just the shit you wanted to go on going on. Okay, before we get to your response calls, let's read some of your tweets. J. Marshall Freeman tweets, I'm listening to the Savage Lovecast and I thought a caller said her husband had a reptile dysfunction. Reptile dysfunction. We haven't gone there yet. But if we ever get a question about a crocodile who expects oral but refuses to perform it or a boa constrictor that likes to be choked, that call will definitely make it onto the show. Jerry O'Neill tweets, I'm a Magnum subscriber and this week's Savage Lovecast still felt too short. I need more at Fake Dan Savage in my life. You can find more of me at Slog, the stranger's blog, where I post the Savage Love Letter of the Day. And for people who want even more, there is a whole lot of Savage Lovecast in the archives as a slut called Nada reminds us, she tweets, It just occurred to me that Savage Lovecast is in its 690s. This has been a pretty nice batch of episodes. We like to think so. We've been coming at you weekly for more than a decade now. We are the OG podcasters, and we will be turning 700 very soon. Thank you to everyone who listens and everyone who subscribes. Me and Nancy and the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth love making this show for you. Here's to 700 more. And now, your response calls. Yes, this is a comment for the caller on episode 697, whose uh, partner kept his eyes closed during the entirety of sex. Always like to try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt and think of what would be the most complimentary explanation. And in this case, one came to mind pretty easily, which is that he basically could be a very visual person who would come very quickly if he kept his eyes open because she's hot. He may just be keeping his eyes closed because he wants to last longer and have the sex be better. And it could simply be that you are too hot. 
Hi, Dan. I'm calling in response to the caller in 697 that was experiencing some postpartum sex issues. I'm an OB nurse and a lactation consultant, and I thought your advice was spot on. But since you mentioned breastfeeding, I'd just like to dig a little bit deeper into that. So the hormones that are responsible for lactation also put a woman into a menopause-like state. Ovulation and menstruation are suppressed, and so libido can tank and vaginal dryness and pain can be a definite issue. Even after weaning, it could take a long time for these hormones to return to normal. So when your wife is ready to try PIV, make sure you're engaging in lots of foreplay and using lots of lube. That's my number one tip to all my lactating couples. On another note, if she isn't breastfeeding, pain with intercourse is not normal at 11 months postpartum. She might want to see a pelvic floor physical therapist as pelvic floor dysfunction is common after childbirth or else talk to her OBGYN about it. Please just be patient with her. For the love of God, don't ask for an open relationship at this stage of the game and know that this is normal. It's just not talked about. Um, One study shows that only 41% of women resume PIV sex at six weeks postpartum when they're medically cleared. Hi, Dan. I think you gave really good advice to the gentleman in the caller who talked about his wife who had just had a baby uh, 11 months ago and wanted to uh, keep the sex going. One thing that I would add to your amazing advice is to give her the opportunity to find her sexuality alone. When you have a young baby, you get no time alone. (laughs) You constantly have this little thing attached to you. And I can't tell you how invaluable it was when my husband would take the kid out and leave me be with my vibrator and my porn and I could find uh, my sexuality again by myself, get used to my new postpartum body and uh, just enjoy myself the way that I wasn't ever able to with, with my baby around. So yeah, take that kid to the fucking park, man, and let your wife run a bath and figure out her shit again, man. Like have some patience there's nothing sexier in a partner than patience and understanding and we're going to leave it there 206-302-2064 is the number here at the savage Lovecast. if you'd like to record a question or comment for a future show give us a buzz or better yet better sound quality use the voice memo app on your phone to record your call and email it to us at voicemail at savagelovecast.com if you enjoyed the Savage Lovecast, I promise you'll also enjoy Blabbermouth, the Strangers News and Review podcast, hosted every week by Eli Sanders, out every Wednesday. My Dirty Little Porn Film Festival, Hump, will be in Eugene, Oregon, Bellingham, Washington, and Brooklyn, New York this week. Head to humpfilmfest.com to get your tickets or to find out when Hump is coming to a city near you. Follow me on Twitter at Savage. Follow Dr. Caitlin McDonough on Twitter at Ideaspermatheca. That's I-D-E-A-S-P-E-R-M-A-T-H-E-C-A. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the Tech Savvy at-risk youth and Nancy. We'll all be back at you next week with an installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thank you for downloading.